Welcome to the Lean Blog Podcast. Visit our website at www.leanblog.org. Now, here's your host, Mark Graben. Hi, this is Mark Graben. This is episode 102 of the Lean Blog Podcast for November 1st, 2010. My guest is Ron Wentz, the president and CEO of Guidon Performance Solutions, and we're going to be talking about his views on lean in healthcare and the impact of healthcare reform and the Affordable Care Act on the healthcare landscape. Now, part of his background before founding Guidon, Ron held senior leadership positions in organizations including J.P. Morgan Chase, Freudenberg N.O.K., and Lear Corporation, and you may have seen him as an expert commentator on the Fox Business Network. If you look on YouTube, uh, you can find Ron talking about different topics there. So I hope you enjoy the podcast. Uh, to find the blog post or to comment on this episode, go to leanblog.org slash 102. You can uh, pass that link along to people who might want to find this episode, or I'd invite you to go to leanpodcast.org for all of the past episodes and go to leanblog.org to participate in the general discussion that we have every day. So as always, I want to thank you for listening. Well, again, our guest today is Ron Wentz, the president and CEO of Guide On Performance Solutions. Thanks for being here, Ron. Hi, Mark. Thanks for having me. So I wonder if you could start by telling us about um, some of your career background, uh, maybe including where you first got started with Lean personally, and talk a little bit about Guide On Performance Solutions. Sure. Uh, yeah, I actually uh, first got exposed to some of the, the basic principles around Lean when I was uh, in the military uh, we had a TQL program, not a TQM, but the same principles, TQL program in the Navy uh, soon after I graduated from the Naval Academy. And then after the Navy career was up, I ended up uh, going to work for an automotive company, and uh, we were practicing lean as a way to improve operations and turn around a couple of sites that were underperforming. Eventually got into internal leadership of the lean program and then eventually operations where I had a chance to leverage those from a leadership perspective from there. Uh, I got into the consulting industry, working for a company called TBM Consulting Group, and working a lot with a group called Shingijitsu, where I continue to learn more, and then eventually got into the service sector when uh, I got uh, hired to join Bank One, eventually J.P. Morgan Chase, and worked on their program on an internal consulting group, and then uh, we formed Guidon in about 2005, myself and a couple of folks uh, from J.P. Morgan, uh, decided that there was a niche that could be served for people who actually came from the service industry and knew how to apply Lean and and uh, the Six Sigma tools together in a in a tr pretty much tr non-traditional industrial environment. And so that led to the uh, kind of the brainchild for Guidon, and we formed Guidon in 2005, and we uh, partnered with TBM uh, to uh, become their service branch, and we've been going strong ever since. And, and so when you include services, that includes um, a good proportion of lean work in healthcare, correct? Yeah, that's correct. It's probably uh, around 30 or 40 percent of our, of our revenue. So from your perspective, what would you say are some of the big trends or issues related to lean in healthcare today, looking at uh, kind of the environment that hospitals and health systems are finding themselves in right now? Yeah, initially, um, healthcare from a from a standpoint of adopting the tools from industry or uh, uh, from other uh, industry verticals to improve quality and patient safety is, was a big part of the focus early on, and then eventually it moved into 
you know, efficiency and, and cost improvement. Um, unfortunately, it's been somewhat tactical, but with the initial forays of these tools for the healthcare environment with a big focus on uh, clinical operations and transactional processes. Um, the, um, you know, the, the industry as it is has always had some type of pressure on uh, revenue and, and um, reimbursement multiples. And so those things have continued to drive an interest in how do we become leaner and more efficient and at the same time improve the experience from the patient's uh, perspective and improve quality and safety, et cetera. Uh, so that's really where the original early drivers, um, it tended to be viewed, and I think it still is to some extent in healthcare, um, more of a tactical toolbox. Um, there are some good examples of uh, thought leaders that are doing it a little bit differently, but it t continues to be used as a tool, much like uh, business process reengineering or, or something along those lines. And, and so do I hear you right that, is it fair to say today compared to some early days, you know, CEOs or senior leaders that are coming to you, are they asking, uh, do I hear right that they're asking less about, uh, or, or that they're focused more on the cost and revenue pressure today? Well, you know, there's certainly a big focus on that. Interestingly enough, um, there has been some uh, additional interest in how do we change the culture as well. So there's been much more of what you would have seen in a traditional manufacturing environment around how do we become lean thinkers, adopt a lean culture. So you've seen some of that begin to happen. But again, the pressure from uh, the cost side, especially from the reimbursement side and declining patient populations and complexity with the need to electronify and introduce uh, information technology tools such as EMR and the need to understand processes because of that amount before we layer on technology. And then with health reform coming along, there's been kind of a constant barrage of things on health industry leaders that have led them to either um, accelerate uh, what they were doing, uh, continue what they were doing if they were already doing it well, or in uh, many cases, we're starting to see some some new adopters come along where they've started to recognize that the approaches they were using in the past are not going to get them uh, where they need to be in order to survive all the uh, complexity and the turmoil that's going along in the health industry. Yeah, and I'd like to come back to the topic of health reform, but I'm curious uh, to hear more of your thoughts. You talk about tools to culture. Uh, I mean, it was a, a progression the manufacturing industry went through, it seems, you know, different waves of, you know, JIT or, or Lean or TPS adoption where it seemed like in early waves people saw a limited tool set, then they saw a broader, you know, maybe more holistic tool set, and then in the next wave people realized, that, you know, hey, this is about, you know, culture and, and management system. It, is healthcare benefiting, do you think, from those earlier cycles where, where people are able to jump to the culture piece earlier, or is it kind of a natural progression healthcare is going to have to just work through tools first and then discover on their own that this is really about culture? You know, interestingly enough, uh, culture has been a, a big topic in healthcare for a long time. There's a lot of people that focus on cultural transformation, what would normally be considered, uh, you know, cultural transformation consulting or executive coaching, that kind of thing. So culture is not a new topic. It's it's new for people to connect the dots and recognize that by engaging you know, everybody, you know, the, the entire population and the improvement efforts, uh, breaking down functional silos, which is a big problem in healthcare, and getting people to, to solve cross-functional end-to-end problems together, 
they, they're just now coming to the realization that there's some benefit in the lean approach to help accomplish that. So the healthcare uh, culture piece is relatively new. I wouldn't say it's universal, but I would say some early adopters are starting to see that over the last couple of years. Uh, it still is relatively tactical and and what I call hotspot focused, meaning we're using you know kind of a toolbox to go fix a problem. But we're starting to see more of this uh, focus on the cultural aspects of it as you know, some pretty smart people begin to recognize that there is some benefit of incorporating this within what they might have already started in the past around developing cultures, um, changing the way people interface with the patient, and changing the human factor side of the business. So we're starting to see that Lean brings a lot of that to the table that they haven't thought of in the past. Yeah. And would you be able to share any examples of some organizations that you think are um, sort of leading the way or at least doing a good job with um, trying to focus on lean uh, lean culture? Yeah, and, and these aren't necessarily clients, but people that we know from the industry uh, that we think are doing good. You know, you read a lot about uh, the Virginia Masons and, and the Theta Cares of the world, but, you know, there's some companies that are not uh, known for their lean work but have adopted it as a, a very robust toolbox. So uh, the Cleveland Clinic's one, the Mayo Clinic's another one, FSM Healthcare in, in St. Louis. Uh, Trinity Healthcare up in Detroit. So they they don't necessarily go out and and do a lot of uh, promoting what they're doing. They're just you know silently behind the scenes using the toolbox, incorporating it with what they were already doing. And and then now the latest trend is to try and uh, measure the, both the culture piece and the Lean and Six Sigma toolbox up with their business intelligence or how they measure outcomes, uh, so that they can drive you know themselves to the to what I'll call I guess a Gen three of of how they use the tools. Yeah, and it's right. Yeah, you're right that I think a lot of organizations kind of keep what they're doing close to the vest. There's certainly I, it's great that organizations like Virginia Mason and Thetacare have shared what they've done because that's inspired uh, a lot of other great improvement. But uh, a lot of people just um, kind of keep quiet about. It. So um, maybe I'll hit you with a question. I realize it's an unfair one because I get asked this. You know, people ask, uh, you know, what percentage of hospitals and health systems in the United States are currently um, trying to implement lean? You know, it seems like everybody's saying they're doing lean. Um, so the, the interesting thing, though, is uh, as we attend conferences or as I do speaking engagements, the, the dialogue a couple of years ago was, oh, yeah, we did lean or we're doing lean. Uh, but when you really start to say, oh, really, great, uh, tell me about that, when you really peel back uh, the layers of the onion, you find out that, again, it's been more of a tactical toolbox. So they it somewhat was treated as a checkbox. Now I think we're starting to see where people are starting to go, you know what, we did lean, but we didn't do it well, and we've got to figure out how to do it better. So that's the latest trend is that, you know, lots and lots of people invested money hiring people from industry, from banks, from automotive, from other manufacturing, brought them in and, and said, oh, we have a lean program now. But uh, I think what they're recognizing now is that even though you might have in a program, it might not be an effective program. So that's kind of the latest thing. Everybody's starting to say, you know what, we need to revisit how we do this and maybe find a better approach to it. And then, as you know, uh, Mark, there tends to be always some part of the population that abandons the approach because they've recognized that they're not doing it well and they don't necessarily have the appetite to go do it, even though the benefits are there. Yeah, so I mean that—that's one reason I, I know it's an unfair question to say what percentage are doing lean. As as you pointed to the variation, and well, what does that mean that we're doing lean? That could mean you know we we did five S in one department, or you know we have a full blown uh, lean management system in place, and and really trying to make it uh, an organization wide initiative. 
um, you know, tied the strategy the way, you know, Virginia Mason um, has, has done. So there's a lot of variation there. Right. Um, but I'm, I'm glad to hear you say, and I, I, I would tend to agree with you. I think three or four years ago, uh, tell me if you agree with, with this statement that not everybody would say, well, yeah, we're doing that. A lot of people would have still said, huh, what, what's that? Yeah, I think uh, when we first started getting in the lean about five and a half years ago, um, as we were coming out of Chase, one of our first clients was a, a healthcare, uh, one of the large healthcare organizations. One of the things that we found was they actually had um, quality improvement and they had Six Sigma, but they didn't have lean. So lean was kind of new and people looked at it as a, a less capable toolbox in many cases because they were, you know, the culture of healthcare is that we like to do the diagnostic. We won't understand the patient. And so that uh, Six Sigma toolbox lended itself very well to that. There was a, a process science that was very robust and, and easy uh, to repeat, whereas lean tends to be much more around people, and it tends to be much more around observation, and not everything can be observed as easily. Uh, so uh, about four or five years ago, you would have said, yeah, you know, that's a manufacturing thing. I think what you're seeing now is people have started to see the evidence from those who do promote and even from those who don't promote uh, their application lean, and then uh, the Joint Commission actually put out a book a couple of years ago and talked about lean, uh, and and then, uh, of course, LEI is now promoting it. So I think what you're seeing is people are starting to see enough evidence, which is important in healthcare, that it's a proven toolbox, and so they're they're willing to take a little bit of a uh, calculated risk to, to adopt lean when, in fact, in the past they might not have been able to or willing to. Yeah. So maybe let's move back um, for the time, or, you know, for some of the time we have left, back to health reform, because... Like you mentioned, hospitals for um, a long time have been under pressure for um, you know cost and revenue and reimbursements um, being cut. But now with the new uh, you know the national conversation, if you will, and the laws being passed um, for health insurance reform, health reform, um, how, how does how do you see that impacting people's motivation or um, amount of time that they have for lean? I mean, do you see in general health reform? helping provide urgency for this, or is health reform a distraction that, that's um, taking away, you know, important executive attention? You know, I, I think it's driving urgency, but only when, when people actually recognize the, the ability or the capabilities of using lean within their organization. If they haven't made the leap yet to understand where lean uh, can be successful in helping them solve a lot of these complex problems, uh, because it seems like such a common sense, applied common sense uh, kind of toolbox. Uh, so people tend to dismiss it as not being robust enough to take on some problems. Where they have, uh, it's it's really driven a lot of, of the uh, sense of urgency that you hear about as one of the best practices around how you get lean going is having a sense of urgency or create your own crisis. You hear that in a lot of different ways. Uh, the healthcare reform is driving that for a lot of them, and it's doing it in a couple of different ways. One, they're going to continue to have... Um, a pressure to move uh, or migrate patients from an inpatient setting to an outpatient setting. So that is a very different um, revenue model. And so when you do that, you begin to cut into what has been the, you know, the core business for a lot of uh, hospitals in particular in the past. So that's going to drive part of it. Second thing is the reimbursement rates are certainly going to go down. Um, so that's going to continue to drive it. And then the third thing is, uh, you know, there's a lot more of a microscope now on the transparency issue. So being able to tell people what you're doing is going to require some process thinking. So how do we measure the outcomes more accurately? How do we align with what HHS or CMS is requiring uh, or some other regulatory body? Uh, and then uh, the last piece is there's 
that transparency is going to drive much more pressure on patient satisfaction, quality, safety, uh, and that kind of thing. So it's going to be much more of a consumer uh, education than what maybe we've been able to get in the past. So some of that's going to drive uh, the sense of urgency to go figure out different ways of doing it, and um, that's going to drive the interest in the, the criticality of adopting tools like Lean. Uh, and then the final thing is there's a big push on EMRs uh, and electronification. That's driving a lot more of a, you know, we better figure out how we do this today so we can make it repeatable enough to go put it in a in an EMR system or an IT system. And so that's driving uh, a lot of that with a lot of financial incentives at risk if they don't figure out how to do it. So Lean IT in particular, we're finding, is uh, something that we get a lot of requests for because um, people are trying to figure out how do they do this fast enough so that they don't forego some of the um, benefits, the financial benefits that are available under the HITECH Act or under um, healthcare reform that help them offset the cost of an EMR system. Well, so just to that EMR issue, and I know this would be familiar to the healthcare listeners, but you know, to manufacturing listeners, um, might be fair to say there's a lot of parallels with a manufacturing company and an ERP system. You know, the, kind of the, the, the opportunity to not just you know, automate existing processes or have the software dictate, you know, here's a quote-unquote best practice process. Um, is it fair to say the hospitals are uh, that more hospitals are looking at kind of an integrated process and software view of, of fixing the process, uh, improving that, using Lean to make sure then that the EMR fits best with that, or are they using Lean to take waste out of you know the the general workflow of the EMR installation? You know, it, it's actually both. So we're working with a couple of large healthcare systems, multiple uh, locations as well as small, uh, both ambulatory and um, and um, inpatient, and in both cases, uh, their initial interest was how do we, you know, get the EMR put in. But then once they recognized that by applying some of the tools, they can still quickly take waste out and make the capital cost um, more attractive. Then they certainly went that route. The the one difference that I think you find between and your your parallel of ERP versus EMR is right on. But there is one difference that we're, we've learned over time is that the, um, the way that, pe- that medicine is practiced at the patient-physician point of contact can vary heavily depending on the physician and uh, their particular uh, approach to dealing with a patient and the complexity of dealing with the individual and what their needs are. So there is some complexity that's not normal in an ERP system, which can be a pretty repeatable, you know, we're going to build uh, 600 cars today and here's going to be the parts that are going to go into those cars and it's pretty repeatable and we do it the same way. You know, for a hospital that might see 100 patients in a day or something like that, every one of those 100 patients is going to be different, and the physicians who see them are going to make different decisions. So, yeah, the complexity of that uh, also lends itself to saying, well, we're, you know, doing a little bit of what I call the Sesame Street exercise, which of these things is not like the other, and the things that are the same, we should standardize and make repeatable, and the things that aren't the same, we should figure out how we do it the, you know, uh, leanest and, and most efficient way while providing the highest quality of care and allow physicians to be able to practice medicine the best way that they can based on the individual's needs. Yes, that's absolutely right. And, and Ron, it's, it's really been um, good talking to you. I think we maybe have time for one more question. Maybe I can convince you to come back in the future and, and we can delve into some of this um, in more detail. But I would like to ask maybe you know, as, as some final thoughts, advice that you would give to a health system CEO or, or senior leadership team member about what their role needs to be in a healthcare system's lean transformation efforts? 
Yeah, I think uh, it's not uh, unique to what the talk track was always around um, manufacturing. You know, you have to have some crisis or some rallying point that you need to bring people together, but then you've got to provide the leadership and you have to have a top-down leadership but bottom-up engagement. So, you know, it's very similar to the same model. The, the complexity is that, um, you know, you're not building a very repeatable business, so you're going to have to be much more engaged. Uh, in particular, you need to engage the people that know how to practice medicine best, which is the nurses and the docs, and get them engaged. So starting with those folks being involved very early on is going to have a big impact on your ability to be successful. You can certainly go look at supply chain and you can look at transactional processes and things like that and do, you know, get some uh, some pretty dramatic improvement. But if you really want to change the experience of the patient and you want to improve quality and safety, you got to uh, have uh, coordinated leadership with the physicians and nurses as well as with the administration side of it. And that's that's probably been one of the things that over the last half dozen years or so that we've learned um, that in order to be successful, you really have to engage um, a broader cross-section. It's not just the CEO level that's going to make this successful. It's going to be the chief medical officer and and uh, and all the other department heads who head up the uh, medical practices. So. Okay, well, thanks, uh, Ron. And uh, again, our guest has been Ron Wentz, the president and CEO of Guidon Performance Solutions. Uh, Ron, maybe if you can uh, let listeners know where they can find Guidon online and... Um, I think it's worth mentioning people that the virtual conference that you did, the Business Beyond Boundaries event, that's still available as an archive for a little while, correct? Yeah, that's correct. And we actually had a couple of very good speakers. Um, uh, you can find that at guideonps.com. That's G as in George, U, I, D as in dog, O as uh, Oscar, N as in Nancy, P as in Paul, S as in Sam, guideonps.com. And we had some great speakers. We had uh, Newt Gingrich on there that talked about transformational leadership, and uh, we had uh, Dr. Campos from Children's National Medical Center who talked about lean in the lab, and then we had some folks from financial services and government in there as well, and, and uh, very well attended, and we got some great feedback. Well, good, and, and thank you for um, for sharing that event. Um, you know, it's a free event for people to go and, and take a look at, and hopefully they'll take a look at your website, and uh, without trying to put you on the spot too much, hopefully we'll be able to talk to you again here on the podcast. Absolutely. Love to come back. All right. Thanks, Ron. All right. Thanks, Mark. Thanks for listening. This has been the Lean Blog Podcast. For lean news and commentary updated daily, visit www.leanblog.org. If you have any questions or comments about this podcast, email mark at leanpodcast at gmail.com.